smell something? Put that cookie down! Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. We're filmmakers, we're fans, and we are for real today because oh, we're looking... So for real. <laughs> we are looking at reality TV, which is an interesting and contentious topic. Reality, air quotes. Reality, yeah, reality in air quotes. Yeah. Um, you may notice that... Uh, Chancellor is not with us. That is because he has volunteered to be in the first lot of human trials for cryogenic freezing. He's going to freeze himself for a week and see if he dies. So if he dies, maybe our guest this week will be our permanent host. <laughs> we have Zane C. Weber on this week. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> so he's freezing himself for a week. Just yeah, yeah. I mean, they can't, you know, obviously it's... It, and it's it's all for the Commonwealth, so... It's all, yeah, it's yeah. for the Commonwealth because, yeah. you know, it's part of the, you know, because Walt Disney froze himself without knowing how to unfreeze it. So they're doing the trials of freezing people to learn how they can unfreeze them. So it's it's a hit and miss. Let's just see how long we can uh, dwell on this one bit before we move <laughs> on. I um, feel that that's my job to come in and throw you off track. Okay, that's that's <laughs> nice, good. Thank uh, you. Well, we're looking at reality TV, but first and foremost, we always ask the question: What have you been watching? And Zane, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I have been for my other film podcast, <laughs> the one that I, I regularly other host. film podcast? second take now available on that's not canon productions. <laughs> that, that's right. They are available there. I am available there. I've been catching up on all of Mel Brooks movies. Oh yeah. Uh, oh okay. So and just realizing exactly how hit and miss his career has been. Like the ones that he's hit, they are Phenomenal. Classic forever, and the ones that he's missed yeah, are just like un- borderline unwatchable. I think that's the thing with comedy, especially comedy films, is they you can, no mid ground. Really. No, there is no mid ground, yeah. and I like so, you know when I'm, I hate to bring him up, but someone like Woody Allen. Prior to when we found out that he finger fucked his daughter, um, we uh, his films he would have a really great one, and then there'd be some shit, and then a really great one, and then some shit, and then a really great one, and then some shit, yeah. and it would be very hit and miss. And I think Mel Brooks was in that same kind of trajectory in that he just kept churning them out. Yeah, and like really, his parody stuff is the weakest stuff. You reckon? Yeah. But isn't something like um? Uh, well, I know everyone hates Spaceballs. I love Spaceballs, but that was my first Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched it and I remember liking it when I was young, but watching it again because we've we've just done a Spaceballs episode a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I can't. There's nothing in this that I'm. Some liking. of those jokes, like there's the, a few bits that I the like, opening but gag with the Joan just... Collins is the only bit that I like. <laughs> that movie. But like the giant ship at the beginning, that's a great gag. That's a yes, really strong yeah. way to open it. And then I love you know when they do the. Ludicrous speed. That's always one of my favorite. Uh, and then the tape, the space watching Spaceballs, the movie at the same it's like time. Here now, here now, <laughs> no, no, now. No. When was now? And then. And then all all of that. I, I just feel like it went one beat too far. Mm. Whereas something like the producers, which we've just done, was like just beat perfect the yeah. whole way through. What's your favorite? Uh, uh, the producers. The producers is my favorite of his stuff. I tr- I Blazing tell- Saddles. Very close. Yeah, I tried. Cool. I tell you what, I tried to watch High Anxiety, and it didn't. I wasn't finding it funny, but I was watching it alone, and I'd had a shit day, so I don't know whether that's the thing. I think yeah. comedies are always enjoyed better with other people. For me, anyway. I don't know. I always watch movies alone. But then, do you, do you laugh when you're on your own? Uh, sometimes I do. Okay. Uh, <sighs> it's easy to laugh with others, but yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I laughed out loud with the producer, but that's because I've seen it so many yeah. times. Yeah, it's it's really just kind of quiet appreciation of the quality <laughs> of the comedy. Oh. Broad <laughs> smile, just standing in silence. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what else have you been watching? Uh, and musicals. musicals. I am directing a musical at the moment, so Ooh. I have. I've been, and also we're doing a musical section on the podcast, so I've been watching lots of musicals. So Chicago, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, we've what did the producers, the musical. Uh, so that's all upcoming, so I've been catching up on those. Oh, that's cool. I, I was looking at a musical, oh, what was it? I want to see A Star is Born because I just listened to this thing about Judy Garland's life. It's and I really good. want to see it's the Judy Garland one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What have you been watching, well, Josh? I, the one thing of note, I watched this Lady Bird. Yes. 
just yesterday. Um, so that's the solo directorial debut of Greta Gerwig, who is amazing. Hey, she's uh, so good. Uh, it stars Saoirse Ronan and... Doing a perfect accent again. Wasn't it the one line she struggled with was like perfect? I actually think it was perfect. It's the one word she struggled with, her accent. Yeah. I mean, her, her <laughs> Irish her Irish accent is so thick. It's, it's not it's even so like, it's not like a fiddly landy dandy one. It's like, oh, and you're wearing an M. Like her arms are M's. Mm. Like that's how strong it is. Yeah. And um, Timothy, is it? This should be Clement or is it Clement Hay or Oh the Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Oh that I failed that completely. Um but he was also in Call Me By Your Name, but I liked him in this too. Have you seen Call Me By Your Name? No. No, okay. I liked him yeah. in this. Um and I forget the mum's like the actress. Oh, uh, 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 it's from Roseanne. That's the mum Lori Lori No uh, idea, sorry, I can't. She's brilliant. Why yeah, I keep wanting she, to call she Laura is Dern. brilliant, but um yeah, unfortunately I forgot her name, but yeah, I loved uh, the story, really connected to the characters. Heard Greta Gerwig wrote a 350-page script. Yeah, and then cut script. it down yeah. to what Which version. I can totally buy it because I got so immersed. Like I felt like every single background character wasn't... Watch out, like the teacher, like yeah. all the different like stepdad and mums. There's everything I felt like really connected to. Everything me. was so well put together on that Um Okay, I'm ringing up. I was going to talk about it in next week's episode, but because I rewatched it as well, I got yeah, to see yeah, it on the cinema. I'll just bump one of my other ones next week. Next week, quote unquote. That's reality podcasting. No, um, uh, I saw Lady Bird again, and I saw it the first time not on a cinema, and I saw it on the cinema this time. And Whoops, Shane. Yes, please come out. <laughs> it's so good. The edit nice. on Lady Bird, I think, is one of the best edit jobs since Mad Max Fury Road. I genuinely believe that for for wildly different reasons. But if you want to be an editor, I suggest you put the, you do a back to back of Lady Bird and Fury Road, and watch how the cut is integral to the story. That is a whiplash of a of a. Double feature. Yes. <laughs> it's a total tonal disassociation of double watch. <laughs> but, but it's really great. And then that ending, that ending is so powerful on that movie. Beautiful. And I didn't quite realize, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I liked it. And then I watched it again and it's the, spoiler alert, the bit about where she's like, mum, did you, when you drove through Sacramento the first time on your mm. own, did, and then you, they're playing the clips. It's the, the clips and the voice and the, her performance there and then like that cut to black is just so perfect it was yeah, I was totally really funny. blown the movie's away really funny like, it's I, very funny like surprisingly I was just like whoa this is like <laughs> yeah. hitting me from I mean to stick points. that her jumping out of the car in the first like minute of that yeah it's such a perfect yeah. thing to and do. that's such a nice opening because it instantly just like captures their relationship her relationship yeah. with her mum I, I found mm. out she um shot that on like the second last day of the whole shoot so that they were just so in sync with each other's rhythms that you would drop into this movie and it would feel like they being mother and daughter as opposed to doing well, it Well, she had a conversation with Barry Jenkins um, recently for the A24 podcast, which just released. Oh, my God. And um, they were talking about basically they went both went back home to shoot their movies. Like yeah. Barry Jenkins um, shot Moonlight back in Miami and then she shot it back in Sacramento and it's just like... How she infused Sacramento into like the character, and, like is yeah. you instantly recognize like her voice, yeah, and like the voice of like, like you know that she knows his town and everything, and then yeah. she's like, I like fast talking ladies, and like you can see that in the film, <laughs> oh like, yeah, easily yeah, yeah, yeah. characters. So, and yeah. what's crazy is that the way she did those two characters, like I swear to God, that was my mom and my sister. And that is how mothers and daughters fight. Yeah. Like the, yeah, the scene, there's the scene in the clothes shop where they just they go at each other. So she goes, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's one's beautiful." And just that shift. Yeah. It's, it, I've seen that. I've seen that, and it was crazy just how much of my life it felt <laughs> like she had put onto the screen and the things I'd seen. It's yeah. really, really good. Yeah, really relatable. Um, but yeah, that's the only real big thing I've watched. I'll save the others for next week. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, what are you watching? I've been watching quite a lot. I watched uh, Ins- uh, Insidious: The Last Key. Yep. It's yeah. It's. <laughs> I put it on par with the first one. It's not as good craft wise, but it's a better story. Um, and it's better than the other two. There's two and three. Two and three are like abysmally awful yeah, movies. I'll, I'll give it that. I, I I felt like they've got the like the scares got cheaper. They did the whole, the, like the whole way through. I also there's another movie I saw which I'll talk about next week. But another horror movie that's all where that it was the worst cheap scares. So in comparison, and Insidious wasn't necessarily about jumps as no much. no no. So no, I no. liked that. Um, I watched Raising Arizona. Holy shit, mm-hmm. that movie is... the is, first time? Yes. 
Oh, wow. It's incredible. This is like, yeah. it's Edgar Wright's first favorite movie of all time, which yep. is really cool. Holy shit, that movie is good. That movie is so <laughs> good. Everyone who's good. ever watched it, mostly. And Nicolas Cage is amazing. And it's a very, di- it's still very Nicolas Cagey, but it's so different from what he normally does. And I have to point out Frances McDormand because she showed up and it took me a couple of minutes oh, to realize it was her. Yeah, she's like the baby best friend. And it's like you see that and then you look at like three billboards and you're like, holy shit, the range on this actor. Uh, it, and it's such a good movie. It's so well shot too. A lot of this stuff is very like uh, calm shooting. Like it, there's not a lot of, but Raising Arizona has just wild camera work and I I loved it, loved it, loved it to pieces. I've just dropped my notes accidentally. Okay. Um, <laughs> Bear with us, please. <laughs> I watched uh, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. Mm. Is that on Netflix now? Is it? Is I just it, got, I borrowed uh, Chance's DVD okay, and I watched yeah. it. I was like, it's it's good. I had fun. There were some clever jokes. I like that it was taking the piss out of a genre of movie that I'm not a big fan of, uh, which is just the cradled grave biopic. And, you know, like yeah. I love like the beginning where there's like there's a concert and he's like, hey, you know, you're on stage. You're like, wait, he has to remember his entire life story. <laughs> and then they do the flashback. And I, I thought that was funny. And it, I thought it was really good seeing Kristen Wiig doing more. I want to see her do more stuff. I'm kind of keen for her to be a Wonder Woman villain because that yes, would be that so drugs, good. It could be terrible, yeah, but under right. Patty Jenkins, I think we're it pretty could, good. It could be, it could be fine. Um, <laughs> it could be I also, I went and saw Black Panther again at the cinemas. Blew me away. I was picking up on even more little details and things that they were doing. It's so good. It's it's brilliant. I can't really say anymore. If you haven't go and seen it, go and see it because it's amazing. And uh, pay double because they deserve it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you and go it makes Ryan for, Makes up for you paying to see Age of Ultron. Because um, <laughs> that movie does not deserve to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Um, and then, and it'll be a good segue into our thing, I watched two reality shows this week, which I never oh. thought is a sentence I would ever say. On my own, we only decided to do reality after I'd already watched them mine. Queer Eye? One of them Everyone's is Queer, queer Eye. Eye. It's good. It's good. Okay. Like it is a it is a very feel good show. I'm interested to hear Zane's opinion. I'm not going to watch it. I don't. Is there a reason why? I don't like reality TV shows. I, I specifically dislike the commercialization of homosexuality. But I know that this new one isn't about it. But no, they they making and I can I can I could take an argument that the new show is occasionally a bit too much about the social issues. Like they have an episode where they do a cop in Georgia. And they like hardcore dig into like cop shooting black people because one yeah. of the and then there's one where they actually do they make over a gay guy. Yeah, I mean that's what it's about now. It's yeah. about masculinity and femininity, yeah. rather about gay and straight. But I'm just not. I'm just not into makeup makeover shows. Yeah, and I, I, I guess because I didn't really get into them before or ever watch them before. I'm kind of not as over the genre. Yeah. Um, but it's good. Like it's a really good feel good show, and uh, we'll talk into it a little bit later. But like the reason yeah, why sure. it's a reality show, and the reality stuff that I don't like is still present, but it's not being used for the same kind of shitty reasons that it's often used in in other shows. Um, and then the other one is a British show called Hunted, and okay. the premise of this show is that fourteen citizens go on the run, and actual people who in the a government whose job it is to track down fugitives, track them down. And they have, like, they're given like 450 pounds and they have to last 28 days and then they win. And it's like about, it's kind of very themed on the whole, like, post 9 11, like, Big Brother's watching everything and how everything you do is being seen by the government. And yeah. is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And it has a lot of that fake kind of stuff, but I really got into the, to the, the, the tension. They built the tension because, you know, you're, they're always on the run and it's like, there's like a, not necessarily a ticking clock, but they've got 14 people they have to catch by the end of the season and it's only six episodes because it's British, which is actually really manageable. Um, and so you, they're cutting them down and you kind of get into the, oh, yeah. are they going to evade it? And there's some close calls or what they make you to see are close calls. And it's kind of really fun though. It's really fun and kind of a bit eye-opening because a lot of the tech is real that they're talking about in the thing and you're like, oh God, if I had to go on the run, they could very, very easily track me down. So yeah, that's the stuff I've been watching. Um, and I guess we'll uh, cool. segue that into reality TV. Reality TV, where did it come from? I've done research. I've done research too, but mostly Wikipedia. What about you? <laughs> yeah, same. I did Wikipedia. Some stuff it came from. Yeah, it was kind of the like game showy type stuff. And then, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, well, it was game show that introduced like real life stories into it. Yeah, mm. like uh, and personalities. They put them like game docs. I, like I actually got like a list of like the official different sub genres. Yeah, so there's yeah, game docu soaps. <laughs> I was like, mm. yeah, game docs, dating programs, makeover programs, docu soaps, talent contests, court programs, reality sitcoms, and celebrity variations. So like Celebrity yeah. Brother, Celebrity Queer. No, there's not a Celebrity Queer. I mean, the oldest one I could find is. Uh, was uh, I think this is mentioned in the Wikipedia article was Queen for a Day, where yeah. basically yeah, yeah, yeah. women came on and told about how hard their life was, and the one who got the most audience approval through an applause meter <laughs> basically got a whole list of prizes. So it's kind of, oh, wow. <laughs> so it's kind of who can tell the saddest story. It's like that um, thing. Monty Python sketch where it's just like the, the luxury is just like <laughs> where it's like back in our day when we had it bad. Uh, it's interesting because like the, the what we know as reality TV kind of happened in the nineties to the two thousand late eighties to or what it was 90s. MTV's MTV's sort of. Uh, what was it called? Um, oh, wait, wait. I think I might have this. It was game show. So, so game shows were sort of the precursor, and there was like docos like Seven Up, and and that which is just like looking at real people as opposed to celebrities. Um, in the late eighties, it kind of started, and there was there was a lot of like fluffy travelogue. Follow me as I just go yeah. places and do things, and then like regular people doing things. And what happened is one of the big shifts was cops in 1989, um, and cops came about because of the writers' strike. They and reality TV shows don't have writers, so they were able to get this show on, and it was a big hit. Um, and there was a show, I believe it was Dutch, called Number Twenty Eight, which is basically the precursor to Big Brother. Number Twenty Eight. Number Twenty Eight. Number Twenty Eight. Well, and the creator from Number Twenty Eight made the Real World with MTV. Yep, 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 yep. And then that led to the gamified version of that, which was Big Brother. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, Big Brother was in nineteen ninety. I got. I got. Oh no, ninety one was Number Twenty Eight, and then the Real World. Um, and what actually caused them to have such a big boom? Uh, Charlie Brooker, who created Black Mirror, he has this show called uh, Screen Wipe, where he talks about television and how it works and with audiences. And he said what caused the big boom was nonlinear editors, so the, so the ability to cut digital stuff really fast, and you could take a ton of footage and trim it down to an hour of usable content. Whereas if you're doing that on film, it's yes, significantly yeah. harder. Yeah. Um, I also found like an interesting point that the 1994 to 1995 O.J. Simpson thing caused was huge in as far as people's interest in real quote unquote yeah. real stories and that kind of tabloidy. Well, it's it's the appeal like because there's a list of appeals is like the appeal to like gossip and like yeah. feeling of superiority over the subject of like what's happening on screen. Yeah, I think a lot and of people watch stuff as like a uh, for two reasons. I think they either vicariously live through it. Mm. Or I mean, we're getting into the, a little bit to the next topic. They vicariously live through it, or they—it's like a Schadenfreude. Oh, yeah, thing. Schadenfreude would must has to be the biggest version yep. for like may, for maybe sixty percent of reality TV because it's like you get like the those shows that like just generate drama, like The Real Housewives. Oh it's kind God, of like that's these, the critic. Like they yeah. like do soft scripting and yeah, like. Like but even frame situations. Even going back to the real world with the MTV, like after it, after its initial kind of run or rush that it kind of got popular, they were like, "Okay, let's force you to spend a week in the same room with this person and watch the drama that comes." And the archetypes, each other. the archetypes, kind of came out of that too. You know, there's yeah. always the bitch. There's always the nice person. There's like. The they, party animal, like, yeah, the, yeah, the jockey yeah, yeah. going, and like, yeah. the people who are guaranteed to fuck each other on on the show or something like that. Pretty much, but I think like its popularity really came with the uh, as cable became more prominent. Like it's just cheaper, yeah, yeah totally. It's just and a lot of it's, it's cheaper to make, and it's it fills airtime. It feels a lot of reality TV, aside from like the primetime stuff like your idols and all that, mm. a lot of reality TV just fills the airspace between primetime. Well, slots. Big Brother in Australia was prime example. You had Big Brother half an hour every night, but then you had four hours of Big Brother up late, which is just streaming. Yeah, and then there was, <laughs> the, then there was the day one. show, the day show where they just showed you yeah. clips of like the really boring stuff. 
Um, Australia is really bad for reality TV. I think that's that's pretty much the bread and butter of our television. Well, another thing I wanted to touch on mm. is why it exists is, is less accountability. Like because you haven't or people someone hasn't scripted and signed off and then got someone to perform it. It's literally just people uh, doing stuff in front of a camera and like yes, you're editing it and putting it on TV, but you're not responsible for the actual yeah yeah what's happened. <laughs> yeah. an, an abdication of that kind of well, yeah, artistic like integrity. <laughs> when when the when the knife incident happened in. Big Brother in the US is like, I remember that. Like, should we show it or shouldn't we? And of course, they're going to, but they're yeah. going to build all this thing ab- around this abhorrent thing that happened. There were two weeks of high Australia. We had journalism the, around it. Yeah, the, the turkey, turkey slap. slap. Yeah, yeah. That's fun fact: the lady who that happened to was my hairdresser prior to just going to the Big Brother house, Aww. and then she wow. from the from that she Cute. didn't ever go Aww. back to there. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't go back there, and so I had to change hairdressers. Oh again. no! So that's the real tragedy. That <laughs> Not spotlight on Shane right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who who watches reality TV? Who's the audience for it? Do you not reckon? me? No, not me either. <laughs> I would have said not me if it weren't for this past week where I'm like, you know what, there's a couple of things that I can imagine. You know, and I like I I I think something like RuPaul's Drag Race is a good background noise show. Like if I'm doing something else and I want I something. I have TV. watched reality TV show, but they have been it's uh oh, what is the one where they're the fashion one? Uh, uh Project Runway. Project Runway. That that used to be one of my my background noises. Because it's like Actually, talented people doing actual I, talented things. Yes, yeah, I used to watch a show called Face Off, which was special effects makeup, and yes, they're they yeah, challenged yeah. to make basically make like a full monster. And there's like a whole team of them. And the the worst parts of that show were the shitty drama and relationships they tried yeah. to insert in. And that's why I watched seven seasons of it, and then I kind of quit after that because it got too much that and a lot less about the stuff that they were doing. And I really like learning about, oh, you know, silicon versus plaster molds and all this kind of stuff. It yeah, was really kind of cool. like the tattoo shows, like Ink Masters and stuff. There's like yeah, there's yeah. some like, because I'm like, oh, I'm interested in like some of the I saw, artists. I stuff. can't remember. I saw one episode of one. I don't know why. And they had to do like an X-Men theme tattoo and they actually had... Um, uh, they had Hugh Jackman Hugh in Hugh Jackman yeah, come in to see came it. In, yeah. And some guy did like the absolute worst tattoo on this guy. And I was watching, I'm like, this is actually like... Because the person who's getting it done, that's permanent. Yeah, that's a permanent mistake. No, I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they have they have uh, uh, clauses in their contract saying that they'll pay for removal. <laughs> yeah, terrible. yeah, probably <laughs> or uh, cover up from a girl. Yeah, I do. I do work with people who watch reality TV oh, shows. Everyone I know watches reality. The amount of people I know that love and watch The Bachelor and Married at First Sight <sighs> is abysmal. I I'm just. I was just about to rant about them. Mm. They're so bad. No, like not even like, oh, I love it because it's so bad. Like it's genuine love. Yeah, yeah. they, yeah, they love the it drama. unironically. But mm. then whenever they're talking about it, all they do is bitch about how stupid everyone is. And I'm like, uh, guys, stop, uh, <laughs> stop watching yeah. it. Um, a lot of the, I think a lot of the big audience because it's like that midday daytime stay at home kind of thing. The, uh, the talent search is a different story. I think that was more about trying to just hit every quadrant at the same time. Um, but you ha- kind of have, I mean, for the networks, it was like that. It's the daytime. Mm-hmm. But a lot of now that with you were right with the, with uh, cable TV, something like Bravo comes around and the entire network is devoted to reality yeah. television. Well, it's like free for air here. It's like the Nine Life channel. It's just like, oh god, we have one now. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's literally there's about six to seven shows of like a couple renovating, but they're different shows and different couples. But it's the same exact fucking thing. Oh, renovation yeah. shows are, yeah. I think, yeah. m- only mildly better than something like The Bachelor, purely because like, hey, you can pick up some tips on what to do in your own house. Whereas The Bachelor, it's really just product placement. Yeah. Over yeah. and over again, like with the barest minimum of reality. Inserted in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How real is reality TV? <laughs> Not very. Loaded no, questions. As someone who's auditioned for Idol and whatever, like... Oh, did what, you? A couple of times. Did you get, like, past the... I got through the first the first one round the first time and the first two rounds the second time. Oh, my God. That was, was before it, was I was... It, I was quite young when I was doing was it. Was it you who was telling me about it or someone... It was someone when I was doing Producers With You. Someone had, like, a... There was a... 
uh, a woman of color, like a, a larger woman, a big woman, and she'd auditioned and she had like a really great voice and everything like that. And they wanted her to do like a confessional about how her weight has held her back. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and she's like, no, but it hasn't. And they're like, no, 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 we know, but we want you to say that. Yeah. That kind of like fabrication of the sob story. Well, that's the thing. Like this, the the first time I auditioned, where I got through the first round, uh, it was just when I was still living in Bundaberg, so I auditioned in Rockhampton. Oh, Jesus. Um, wow. But the one person they took from Rockhampton was a person who dressed up like a clown. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. that's, that's the person that they took out of the hundreds of auditionees in Rockhampton. They took the one person dressed up like a clown. So that, that's just a little taste of what that was. But I watched a YouTube uh video the other day of the like the the british hoaxer he he like hoaxes whatever darren brown yes yes and oh is that the one the push is that the thing that just dropped on netflix yeah the push yeah he just had a thing drop and it was like a redo of a bbc thing he'd done but they've just put it on a netflix about him trying to get on uk's got talent no. Okay, so basically he fabricates this story and this character and this act basically hitting all the quadrants that the judges are looking for, are looking for yeah. to see how far he could get. And then he basically gets in front of the judges and performs. He doesn't Holy get onto the live shit. show because basically someone spots him and says, hey, are you this person? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. And like it's just... The processes that he goes through, it's just kind of like, yeah, look, they're just there to exploit people. Yeah. I know there was, there's a, a, an artist I like called John Gom. He's like a guitarist and he got messy. He doesn't like audition for those things in any way, but one of the, uh, the got talents messaged his manager or his agent mm. asking him to be on the show so that then he could like, quote unquote, win the first round. Like they'd already planned it all because obviously they didn't have enough good, talented people rock up. Yeah. It's and and his agent is like in the same breath with him, so they send like a big fuck you to the company back. And it's just like no, um, well, that a lot of a lot of the people in Brisbane who a lot of the talent that I am friends with, like they the agencies get casting calls saying we're casting for like a bachelor or bachelorette type show yeah. or whatever, and, and agencies go look. You could probably get on this show and you would get on TV, but then you won't do anything else ever. Like this is if you, this is your peak probably. Yeah. If you're wow. going to get on it, so I would advise you not to do it. Yeah. I think the big thing that I hate, it, like it's not, I know I, I call it scripted. It's not scripted. Like reality TV is produced. Yes. I kind of yeah. learned that term after watching Unreal. Uh, which is such a good show. It's a good show. Um, Do you watch the new episode? I have not watched it just yet, but it's dropped and I'm... Is it good? Yeah, it's good. Okay. What I really liked about the show is that show works. If you like The Bachelor, you'll love Unreal. And if you hate The Bachelor, you'll love Unreal as well. It kind of works on... And it's based on... Sequin Ray. Not Marty Knox and I think it's the other showrunner. Yeah, yeah. uh, Something Something Shapiro. And she she worked on The Bachelor for like a decade. And she just took all her stories of all the fucked up shit they had to do to get the women to start going after each other and then just put it out there and it's so messed up and so so well made that show so still so weird that that's a lifetime show just it doesn't it just it doesn't compute in my head (laughs) um but so for me like it's you know there's a lot of like impossible camera angles and i'll pick up on that immediately like even in queer eye there's something like you know when they rock up to the house to meet the guy and they'll cut to the inside shot as he opens the door i'm like what's happened is the whole camera crew's rocked up there they've gone okay now let's they'll be gonna arrive and they're gonna arrive at the house and so it's it's very clearly staged so much of it is staged um, and then they edit reactions of people to different parts so that like something will look they more... They can create oh, yeah. a, an atmosphere of what's going yeah, on. I've, like, I've spotted many times. Idea. My mum's like a huge watcher of the Got Talent shows um, and I love watching it and pointing out when the crowd shot has been taken from a different yeah. part <laughs> of the show, not the same moment. Um, uh, you know, the talking heads bit as well just bugs me because they always talk in present tense as if they're res- like they they're stopped responding. the show <laughs> Actually, went over to do a I talking I met somebody head. who um, got 
fairly way through My Kitchen Rules, like auditions. Oh, really? And uh, they were saying like, yeah, they like rocked up the house, forced us like to do like all of these meals, and then after we'd done cooking and everything, that's when they got us to do the talking head interviews, and we had to like present everything that we did the entire night, like we in present tense, like we had to yeah, like say it all backwards, and then the, and I, and I love that there was but even like with the project runway, like you you see the blooper videos that surface a year or so afterwards, and them just giving the same line in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> like they're being prompted by a producer. Like, okay, can you say that but a bit angrier? Or can you say that a bit sassier? Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and all like those fabricated climaxes, you know, in, in you know, in the, the competition shows, they'd wait and they'd say, and the winner is... We'll see you after the break, Ugh. and then, or, or you know, those when the time's running out, and you've, they've clearly like cut it and put this dramatic music to it. Basically, uh, all the cooking shows. Yeah, uh, yes. like the time's running out. And what's interesting is that what's interesting to me is it's the exact same as fiction television. It's that those kind of in, like television, fiction television goes to the act breaks, and the movies have you know those big kind of cliffhangers but i guess in fiction there's not the presumption of reality mm. and that's why it bugs me there's like a pretense of it being quote unquote real but what about good reality tv what's the best kind of reality tv to you guys well uh, documentaries yeah. Yeah, do you count totally them as you count them as reality tv uh, well, uh, docker series, te- yeah, like, yeah. yeah something short, like making more, a murderer more like short form stuff I, yeah like i fucking yeah. love making a murderer i, I think Anything that's serialized and actual using actual footage, like it's just a different way of, like you said, of producing the same content. Yeah. So a different way of presenting it. So I would do that. Yeah. Um, I and I think some of the competitions are watchable. They can be fun. Yeah. Like I think something yeah. like RuPaul is is you know I've said it, it's like it's good. Uh, background noise because it's like light entertainment. It doesn't. Yeah. It, I mean, especially something like RuPaul's Drag Race doesn't take itself too seriously. Whereas something I think like a lot of those, like X Factor, specifically X Factor, more so than like the Got Talent shows. X Factor is all about the sob story. Yeah, they just really hammer that so much. X Factor and like The Voice as well. The Voice also. is a big one as well. Um, I mean, I think I think what I appreciate in reality TV show is actual talent rather than dwelling on sob stories or or like yeah. just everyday stuff that doesn't yeah. you like or interpersonal drama yeah like yeah. i think that's that's really cheap entertainment as like i don't I, I can I can go and argue with someone myself. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we've got this quote of the feel for the season we need to make drama yeah, so yeah. we have Did coverage. either of you ever watch the Joe Schmo show? I did not. No. You haven't? Do you know about the do you know about it? I do not. Oh, okay. So it's the the premise of the show was that there's one guy who's a regular person and then everything else is this staged reality show about him, like a Big Brother-esque everyone in a house thing. Right. But it's all actors around him and they stage these things around this sort of regular So like guy. The Push, because I actually watched The Push recently. Oh, is that what The Push is? Oh, basically, oh, do you want to watch it? Like, or do you I do want to watch it. Okay. So, yeah, okay, don't say yeah, it. I won't say um, it. But no, the Jewish... And so, like, and what they did is they got improv actors so that they could react and, and yeah, figure out. Yeah. And they got given their stories they had to play out and you saw the behind the scenes of it. And so the premise of the show just was really deconstructing reality TV. But what's really funny is the first season of the Joe Schmo show, Kristen Wiig is in it as one of the, the <laughs> improv people. It was before <laughs> SNL and before yeah. she was famous. But it's actually, I believe she plays, like, the weirdo. And it's really, like, if you can get the first season of it, it's really worth watching because it's not... There's like a little bit of, oh, he doesn't know what's going on, but it's not about like laughing at him. It's about seeing how he interacts with something so staged when he believes it all to be real. Yeah. Uh, The guys who created that show went on to do, they did a second season of Joe Schmo and then they also did a show called Invasion Iowa, which is where William Shatner goes to this town in Iowa and they pretend like they're shooting a movie and they encourage the people of the town to audition for jobs and for cast roles. And it's this weird (laughs) thing. I I haven't watched that one. But those two guys who created those shows went on to do, to write Deadpool and Deadpool 2 and and all that. And they're like the writer-producer. So it's a weird career trajectory. They've gone from reality TV into... Um, movies. There was also a show called Space Cadets where there was a bunch of people put together. They're kind of like these hoax shows. There was a bunch of people put together who thought they were being trained for a show to go into Can space. Can I just say that that is one of my least favourite 
versions of reality TV. Really? Those, those practical joke shows. Oh, no, practical jokes are different kind of a thing. Something like Joe Schmo was really good. I think Space Cadets takes it too Joe far. Show, I, uh, Joe, Joe Schmo, I think that is a very smart concept. When you invasion Iowa, that made me uncomfortable. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're... Because William Shatner, obviously. No, honestly, because you've, you've got these people auditioning and you're like, you're inspiring hope just just make fun of them. It felt like it's it's to make fun of people. It, I think it yeah. is. And those guys those guys as writers tend to lean into that. And I think that that, that is that is a just one of like the like oh no, there's a hole with a child down it and is anyone going to stop and look and then when the they do it. The child turns into a monster and jumps at them. And what's their reaction? I think that that's just kind Did of Did you ever a, watch Fear Factor? <laughs> oh, not Fear Factor. What was it called? Uh not Fear Factor, it was Shannon Doherty hosted it. And it was... Uh, I No, I did not. I, I turned I turned. <laughs> I used off to watch that when I was a kid because it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> um, but they were prank shows where they're just horror pranks. Yeah. Like someone was just like a clown who smashes up a body in front of someone. And so I like realized, YouTube stuff nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. And I realised now that that was Scare Tactics. I think it was just called Scare Tactics. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> uh, I think another interesting thing that some reality TVs maybe doing a bit now is this ones that are kind of making diversity and using that in part of the story. There's a show and it's a terrible show because it's all about those interpersonal dramas. It's called Love and Hip Hop. And there's Love and Hip Hop Miami. And I only know about this oh, by the person God. that's come out of it. Her name's Amara La Negra. The, fa- the fact that there is a Love and Hip Hop Miami leads me to believe that there is a Love and Hip Hop elsewhere. Yes. And Love and Hip Hop I believe the original one is set in again. LA. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, there's, a, there's, a, there's an artist called La- Amara La Negra. Okay, well, like someone like Cardi B came from Love and Hip Hop. And Amara La Negra, who's actually like really vocal about issues of colorism within communities of people of color and it was just like it's just given her a platform to speak which i think that can be a positive side for reality tv albeit a very marginal one in the grand scope of things i mean yes i mean it's all you're doing is removing that initial very very short barrier to characters finding their way into whatever voice they have. Yeah. So like instead where you would usually have to go through a producer or an agent to actually get cast in something, this is like you can just be cast in something yeah. by virtue of you are the only one that is there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what about the worst kind of reality? Kardashians. Jersey yes. Shore. Real Jersey. housewives. <laughs> I don't. Can, can, Most can of you, it. Can you explain why Real Housewives is so big? Because you, you like, because it's just women bitching at each other, and then the women who watch it side, and then they have arguments with their friends yeah. about who's right about whatever manufactured drama is happening. However, I will say that, and the circle of love's complete. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so it's it is that kind of like Schadenfreude, uh, then kind of paying off that lust for drama that some people have is like, oh, they just want to be right and, like, Mm. this person is right and so I am right. Though a terrible, terrible reality TV show, UK I think it was, but it did cross over into Australia. Uh, There's something about Miriam. Oh, my God. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Then Miriam went in the Australian Big Brother house. That's right. Uh, and it was the reveal. Oh, yeah. God. That was a fun time in TV, wasn't it? Oh, God. How did you remind me of that? I remember seeing, like, if you stayed up late enough, there was a show called Shopping for Love. I don't think I ever <laughs> saw that. I just, I, cause I was, I had bad sleeping habits as a kid and it's literally like someone's going on a date with someone else and so the show like goes and shops for them for stuff to make them something more like what the other it was like a shopping it was a makeover show meets a dating show <laughs> how to how to change yourself yeah <laughs> with capitalism capitalism yeah. solves everything yeah. the tv show um obviously the bachelor i don't i hate i hate it it's so bad and it's so it's not real love. How I don't get how people believe there's real love in there because it's not. It's the no, opposite. None, it's none of them have lasted. I had an experience with somebody who like loves The Bachelor, but then they watched Unreal. They're like, "Oh, I like Unreal as well." I'm just like, <laughs> "Do you understand?" The yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so bad. And then watching Unreal, realizing, "Oh, there's 
there's some level, like I just think, you know, these women are really dumb, but then I'm like there's some cruelty because the producers are making them look like that. Yeah. Because they're just regular people. Not everyone goes out to be a bitch or anything like that. And there's some kind of level of cruelty to the whole thing of the show that really makes me even they're, more they're, they're just trying to like really, realistically what they're doing is they're embellishing their bad traits and then trying to shun their good traits. And they force them into those archetypes, which when they put it up on board, you've got the virgin, you've got this, you've got that. That just, I was like, I 100% buy that as being a real thing just without question because it yeah. seems so accurate. Well, um, what about like Beauty and the Geek? Oh my oh, God. Like, yeah, totally. Right? Like that's yeah. just a worse version of that. Like yeah. even more stereotyped. The way that that show treats women on top of how it treats like engineers mostly. Yeah, it's mostly <laughs> like mostly it's like engineers and mathematicians and yeah. that's just like because you can't women. have like any even almost fun job and be on that show because you have to be like a real nerd. Yeah. And then like, and oh then, this nerd doesn't know how to shave properly or was, I don't know. Yeah, it was shit. And then at the end of every episode they have like a quiz, they had to quiz each other and then I was yeah. like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, I saw there was a really terrible show called like Gay or Straight. And it's like oh, a woman is given yeah. like a field of men and has to guess. And he's like, what uh, the fuck is this? Yeah, like oh. I think reality TV really opened up the the, the pit, very Pandora's bottom box. of the barrel <laughs> to be scraped. No, no, it broke the bottom of the barrel and reached <laughs> further down into that black <laughs> void of awfulness. I think though we can all agree the epitome and the worst reality TV show ever made and the absolute pits is Gogglebox. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Because that's oh. not even we, we talk about la- like it being like reality TV show being lazy and cheap. But Gogglebox is literally you just pointing a camera. Up. It's people. It's a show where you watch people watching shows. I'm surprised that it is even a thing. I can't. I've never met a person who's legitimately watched it for itself. I've met actors that love it, and I just I'm like, well, you're not being it in one of my movies. Like- <laughs> It's like it feels like it's meant to be like a satire of yeah, like a our culture, right? Like a skit of our culture loving reality TV shows, but no, it's a real genuine thing. And I'm like, like that's something that could be on Black Mirror. <laughs> it, it could, yeah, yeah, it could be. Uh, I really want Charlie Brooker to do some kind of reality TV show, something just even more. Ext- I think well, like, he, he did. He had the fifteen million. Um, fifteen million merits yeah, was yeah. close to it, but I think something even more. Um, it uh, it's just I I do not like I I actually totally don't question that it got invented. But I just question why anyone watches oh, it. I, I'm not as surprised that it is a thing. I'm surprised that it is popular enough to keep being a thing. Yeah, and I, it's a British show yeah. too. It's well, just it's British and Australian, I think. Yeah. yeah, well, like British invented the format, and then we yeah, yeah, the format. we adopted like, it. Yeah. Like, isn't it weird that the the Voice was like a Swedish show or something mm-hmm. first? You're like, I feel like that should have been America first. And then doing Big Brothers like in like that. 60 countries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reality. So where Zen reality? On the <laughs> so where reality TV meets fiction TV? Can they work together? Do you reckon? I mean, like Joe Schmo. I guess. Yeah, something like that is interesting. Was well, that more of like a a social experiment, like psychology, like examination of like the idea of reality? Is that like really fiction meeting reality, Joe Schmo? I th- I think it kind of partly is. I mean, well, I, I mean a lot. I guess then a lot of reality TV is actually real people reaction reacting to fictional situations. Well, this is true. Mm. But see, a lot of it they're not even reacting to them. The reactions are. Fabricated, well, yeah, but like, yeah. So they're just kind of real people acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which so real people actors. acting because actors aren't real people. We you all just know peel that. back no. the layers and there's another layer of bullshit. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, for me, I think the lines between the forms are really distinct because uh, they're fu- like they're fundamentally different kinds of experiences. One's about like a Schadenfreude, and fiction's more about emotional catharsis. To me, yeah. Um, although I think what would be really cool is totally fictionalized reality TV shows. Well, uh, I did put down in my notes here American Horror Story season six because it is about I a reality TV yet. show, um, basically that uh, had contentious issues, and then so they got kind of got everyone back for a reunion in the same place, and then is that supernatural cult, things it? happen? Is that cult or no, is that that's Roanoke? Seven. Also, oh, Roanoke. Roanoke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? So it, it is based around kind of contemporary horror 
reality TV show sort of because there's producers there. It's like, no, well, it's it's, it's probably just some, some weirdo. Oh, okay. I quite like right. there was a parody of The Bachelor called Burning Love. And it's funny as fuck because they've got like a lot of a lot of those improv and those comedy actors that you've seen. Did you ever yeah. watch um, Another Period, the TV show? And it's like it's like a fake documentary in like a Downton Abbey style setting. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, it's like I mean, it's a little that some of the humor is quite crass and might yeah. not quite be your tempo, but uh, it's very funny. And a lot of those actors, like Ken Marino. And all that they they he's he's like the bachelor in Burning Love. Ben Stiller produced it, and it's fun to check out because the episodes are only like ten minutes long. Because it's yeah. like it was, I think it was a web series initially. Yeah, um, I've had a couple of ideas. I wanted to like do a whole reality show about like like a reality competition show about people with magic, and you just play it for real. Like you play it, but everything is scripted. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, a fictionalized. Yeah, thing. yeah, but you're using the form, like the the, the talking head, you know, the confessionals, the random drama, the playing to the act breaks, just yeah. the things that only exist in reality, and then making them completely scripted. I think that to me is entertaining. Um, but you know, that might be the. I future. mean, it can be. It's just another yeah. form of storytelling. Yeah, I think that's yeah. The so it becomes a mockumentary trick, almost, trick. doesn't it? Pretty much. I think you'd yeah. need to call it a mockumentary because it's. It's presenting something as real that isn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so where do you think the future of reality TV is? Hopefully it dies uh, down. Yeah. Like we're getting so much good fictional TV now. Like there's only so much time that you can you spend It's a generational TV. thing as well? Like, well, because we, we saw it, like reality TV 90s to 2000s hit really big and it was like peak mid-2000s and then Lost and we've talked about this before, Lost and Desperate Housewives came along and that mm-hmm. kind of took a huge chunk out. People realised just how hungry they were for good storytelling mm. and good performances mm. and, and not that kind of fakeness. I think also what drove it though was like regular people thinking, wow, I could be famous. Yeah. And like yeah. what what would happen if I was in the Big Brother house or what would happen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because like you said, I like, like you audition stuff. I know so many people who went and auditioned for X Factor and yeah, Idol yeah. and Big Brother and, and all those things. And I was just like, why? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> well, honestly, like you don't know what when I went. I didn't know what the process was. I was just showing up. Well, you you went in like the early days. You were saying very the first early, one, so the very days, early like days when second or third year. Yeah, well, um, okay. of, of Australian of, Idol of, of Idol. Yeah, and Idol was seemed a little bit more legit because that was the first one where the judges weren't people you'd never heard of before. Yes, it was yeah. famous singers and stuff like that. I know. I reckon VR is going to become a thing with reality TV. Undoubtedly, that's like a form that really fits well into that idea of vicariously like like that kind so of like the. People are like wearing Voyeurism. cameras, it's, and you're no, no, no. Like you would be, that's like, one of be the like cameras appeals. in the house, and you can yeah. like go in and you can look oh, right, live yeah. or something like that. So that kind of very voyeurism to the extreme. And this is something like when when you wrote this note down to think about. I I, I was a I have been just black mirror ideas popping into my head <laughs> for the last while, and just like like. People hide to surrogate, like you pay for them to put on cameras, and you actually walk around in like a Big Brother house and like vicariously interact with people. Yeah, and a game built around that. Well, I definitely yeah. reckon. I definitely reckon the future is going to become more exploitative because we're kind of numb to a lot of the stuff now. And you'll see something like Queer Eye come along, and because it's very inspirational, we haven't had a lot of inspirational shows. That's why it's hitting as big as it is because that's like it's blowing up. Yes, that show, the remake. Um, even people who wouldn't watch it, like the original series or anything like that, and I think that's kind of working. We're seeing that in film too. More inspirational, happy feeling films are working, but um, I reckon there's going to be this pushback, and we get really like. I, I mean, it, it goes in cycles. Like the same with generations. Like you, you have the millennials, but now you've got the Gen whatever they're called, and then they're they're. The wholesome generation, yeah. <laughs> apparently, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But I think, yeah, you like we have the big, we had the aspirational reality TV, and now we're kind of in the uh, like the drama, like really like Cynical, people charted like, Freud yeah. watching yeah. The yeah. type of. Yeah. Reality TV. I reckon. I reckon. I have a theory that I reckon network is going to come true one day. We're going to be just watching someone cuck <laughs> on live TV. 
TV. It's going to be... I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. It, it happens on like Facebook and stuff as well. Like, yeah, but, well, that's so, where, but see, Facebook's, Facebook's yeah. getting into TV. That's You're what, seeing that's like what I'm these saying. So where it's, the, it's joining up. It's all yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like an interesting place to, to finish it there. So we've got our top on five. Death. Yeah. Yes, on death. <laughs> uh, our top five. And I've picked, instead of top five reality shows, because I don't have five that I, I could list. Yeah. Uh, we're top five movies or shows set behind the scenes of the entertainment industry, I think. Which is a bit of a broader brushstroke, but something. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. it's a little bit of an easy one to do. I realized going through like searching for it, that there was a heap of really cool sounding ones that I hadn't seen. There was one like... Uh, Wamapalooza or something like that. It's like one word and it's like from 1940s and apparently it's the most metafictional film it ever. Was, there was, it was a big theme of like what TV meant to the world in like the 60s, 70s. Yeah, so they thought it was killing cinema. So yeah. It was like, oh, and then like all the, all the explorations of like TV taken to the extreme <laughs> yeah. sort of things. Uh, not many of them have made my list, though. Oh, Hell's a Poppin' is the name of the movie. Yeah, Hell's a Poppin'. Yeah, and apparently it's just really weird. And they they said if it were like the whole movie, apparently like the first half of the movie is really good, the second half kind of falls apart. And, they said, and then someone yeah. made a review and they're like, if the whole movie had been like the first half hour, it would have broken movies. Movies would have just stopped there. Yeah, um, having, having watched it, I don't think like that, that's... That's like saying if the whole movie was the twist from the end of The Sixth Sense, then it would have been ah, something yeah. that couldn't possibly exist <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it can't possibly Fair exist. Enough. Well, um, uh, I'll go first. I've got my honourable mentions. I've got uh, Eight and a Half, Federico Fellini's mm-hmm. Eight yep. and a Half, which yep. I fucking love and I don't know I'm just going to cross all these off my list. As okay, right. <laughs> uh, well, you, you might have to cross off a few. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. yep. uh, Adaptation, <sighs> You can list these as well. Nope, I'm deleting them. It's already gone. <laughs> uh, my, look, I mean, look at my list here. I've got Boogie Nights, yep. Edward, yep. The Player. I put this in here because this would be Chance's number one pick. So Chance, when you're listening to this, your number one pick is Bowfinger. I feel like that would be his number one pick. And it's on my honorable mention. I've got the movie called Morning Glory, which I actually think is quite underrated. Got, I haven't seen that. It's got Rachel McAdams, Harrison Ford, and Diane Keaton. And it's like a, it's a morning show. She's like this gung-ho producer... To take, and she goes in to take over this morning show and so she brings in Harrison Ford who's like a cranky old hard new, hard journalist <laughs> and he has to do like making shit, like shitty morning right. TV. I'll it's actually, it. it's fun. It's not great, but it's actually, I think, a little underrated. Uh, Unreal, the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this quite qualifies, but Galaxy Quest... God damn it. So, no, okay, sorry, I won't. It um, definitely qualifies and it was definitely on my list. Uh, and the newsroom. Why is that only in your honourable mention? Because yeah. season three was shit. Come on. Um, so Two my out no- of three ain't bad. My number one is a type. Uh, good night and good luck, uh, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, and Nightcrawler. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh. number, four, number four is State and Maine by David Mamet, which uh, have you seen that one, Josh? No, you should. It's that. really so. David Mamet did a movie about making movie, and it's got like it's got like William H Macy, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's got like a it's one of those, all of those okay. like '90s cast, and it's actually kind of funny and really. It's probably my favorite David Mamet. I don't really like David Mamet, <laughs> which is I your list. I was watching ones I just to say <laughs> he's a taste. He's an acquired taste. He is. Uh, my number three is Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Singing in the Rain. And my number one is a documentary called The Kid Stays in the Picture, which is about Robert Evans. If you have, have you seen it, Josh? Put that on your list. It is such a good documentary. It's about, so the producer, Robert Evans, who produced Godfather, Rosemary's Baby, all of these huge 70s hits. Um, and he was like a twenty-something wannabe actor turned into a producer, very young. And he got—he had like—he had like this downfall where he like he went into drugs and he nearly died and all this kind of stuff. But the mm. documentaries basically played out in almost entirely archival photos that they've animated in a really clever way. It's actually a really great oh, documentary okay. on top of being really good. Uh, thing about yeah. the the movie industry. Uh, so we'll go to Zane before Zane has to cross off any more of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as I said, I've been watching a lot of musicals, and so uh, honorable mentions: Hairspray. Um, yep. Oh yeah, it yep. is too. Yep. Yep. That's cool. Uh, Hail Caesar. Yep. Uh, La yeah. La Land. Yep. Saving Mr. Banks. Yes, oh, I was going to put God. that one on my list. I, I quite like that one, oh, but I was kind of like. 
You know it is. It does qualify, yeah. but I was, I was questioning as to I don't it. know if this one qualifies because it is kind of a parody of it, but who framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. <laughs> Love uh, it. Get Shorty and Be Cool. I haven't seen... I remember seeing Be Cool not knowing it was a sequel. I think it's a seriously underrated movie. Okay, I should watch both of them now not being like 12 and wondering what the hell I'm watching. <laughs> uh, Quiz Show. I haven't seen that one. It's on the list. It's very, very, very good. Uh, King of Comedy. I still haven't seen that one. That's Martin Scorsese. A lot of people rate that one as one of their favorites of Scorsese's stuff. It's, it's very good. It's before Scorsese really kind of got real indulgent with his own style. Yeah. Um, and Slumdog Millionaire. Yes. Oh, it yes, is too. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yep. And then so my top five. Do I do five to one or one to five? The best one, your favorite one up the top if you have. Okay. Uh, number five is The Artist. Yes. Uh, number four, 30 Rock. First TV mm-hmm. show. Fuck, yeah. why wasn't that on my list? <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yeah. That is, that, oh, fuck. Okay. Number three, The Producers. Yep. Uh, number two, Birdman. Yep. Really? Did you like Birdman? I love Birdman. It really? Is, I really like Birdman. It is a strong contender for my favourite movie of all time. Strong you, contender. What? Yeah, I what? love Birdman. Fight, fight. <laughs> we need I to love, talk No, about I'm, not, I'm not arguing with you, Shane. I'm right. You're obviously wrong. <laughs> uh, what? And number one is the newsroom. I love, uh, I love the newsroom. Yeah, yeah. I love the dialogue. I just, I would that would have been my number one. I just the season three, the yeah. the ending killed it because it was a really arbitrary death that was clearly thrown in there. Because hey, every other show is killing a major character, um, and he was very clearly responding to the fan, like the yes, backlash against yeah. it. Which I was like, the, that's why the first season is my favorite. If I were to single out one single season of a TV show as my favorite of all time, season one of the newsroom is it. Yeah, I, I think the newsroom. Really, uh, it kind of popularized, uh, like, oh, I guess, like independent thinking about the press. Yeah, it really kind of opened that conversation for other other shows and other movies and actual like the press themselves to actually talk about yeah. the process behind what makes the news. Yeah, so I think yeah, the, the newsroom is is my number one. Sorry if I decimated your list. No, Josh. it's a couple. No, it's a good. Um, but fuck me, I didn't realize my list. I didn't realize honorable mentions, Night Crawler and Saving Mr. Banks because oh, Night Crawler. There was oh. this weird thing where everyone was like, uh, Saving Mr. Banks isn't that good. I don't get I fucking cried in that movie. I it's really good. love that That's movie. It's so good. Um, so yeah, the rest of my honorable mentions, once my phone comes back, uh, one is Unreal. Yeah. like this, this amazing series. Uh, Living in Oblivion. Because we watched that at film school. I haven't uh, seen it yet. It's just like... There's this one scene where it stars like Steve Buscemi and like he's having like nightmares about being on set and literally everything goes wrong that possibly go wrong. Uh, the the craft services is like spoiled milk, so everyone gets sick. Um, <laughs> the guy misses focus and then like the producer is just this like raging bitch about everything and like oh. the best take is when they're not rolling. And then oh. he just loses his shit and starts screaming at the actress and shaking her. Well, I have, okay, living in oblivion. I have to add that one. Yeah. Um, just purely for that scene only because that was a funny scene. Uh, Hail Caesar. Because I watched mm-hmm. that recently as well and that's a really good movie. And yeah, that's my honorable mentions. Um, list, uh, While We're Young, Noah Baumbach, which is about like... Is that about... It's about documentary, like filmmakers, like fighting. Ah. So I'm stretching a bit, but like it's, it's about that process it's of like tough. old first new... In the documentary yeah. field, like um, okay. basically what's real and what's. I, I don't want to interrupt, but there were. Yeah. There's a, a style of documentary where you're actually watching people make a documentary and they're like actually present in the movie. The one that I was. So, like Louis about was Ferrer? Catfish. Oh, where yeah. you're actually watching them make a documentary. I was like, I don't know whether that. Counts. Does Tickled count in that respect? Yeah, tickled. I guess, yeah. yeah but even the subject matter of Tickled yeah. is enter- like, it's like online yeah. entertainment. I'd count like, that. I didn't know whether to kind of include those on my own. Tickled's you know still what's... going as well, like basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting new stuff <laughs> all the, the time. Although the guy died. Um, uh, oh, yeah, uh, that, yeah. One that I forgot to mention, Lost in La Mancha, mm. is a brilliant, I mean, it's tragic. To it's say. Josh's Shame. list. Shame. Sorry, Sorry. Let's, let's, shut let's up. Let him go. <laughs> um, uh, number four is Don't Think Twice. Um, the yeah, stand-up comedy because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's entertainment it's about trying to get on SNL and like the improv acting sphere yes, stuff which yeah. is a nice 
viewpoint to see. Um, number three is 30 Rock, again, about yes. Tina Fey's stuff in SNL, like all that behind the scenes. That's interesting. Uh, number two is Mulholland Drive, which is just David Lynch, so it's a Isn't bit more... is it about the entertainment industry? It's set, it's present. It's, yeah. There, there's a lot I of... I still haven't seen that one. There's a lot of scenes featured about... It's, it's, I think if Galaxy Quest is... Yes, okay, yeah. In my whole drive yeah, because it's it's just a mind fuck and a half, but it, it features it's like about that world and like the Tinseltown and everything. Okay. And number one is Edward. Edward. Yeah, that would have been Chances number two yeah. or Bowfinger is his number yeah, one. It's a heartbreaking film, but it's an important film and it's really uh, that's easily best. Tim Burton's best his movie. Best. Yeah. Even Johnny Depp's best performance, I'd argue. I, uh, I, uh, is there anything Johnny Depp's you, done some pretty solid stuff before he went weird. Well, like I would put his first Jack Sparrow as being up there in his top three, but Edward for me is, is the best because it was, yeah. it was it felt the most human. It felt yeah. the most emotionally like vulnerable, which is weird because it was such a, an over-the-top character. But that's it. Anyway, that's a good place to end it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Zane, for being on this week. And You're we'll, welcome. We'll give you an update about Chance's uncryogenically frozen self. He might be dead. He, he might knows. be dead. Or he might be Captain America. This is true. This can Or... Be- the Rocketeer. <gasps> That's such a good movie. It's such a good or movie. Fry. Oh, right. I was like fry <laughs> as in like a single French fry. Um, if you or like this, stuck at the quickie mart. <laughs> uh, if, if you liked our uh, uh, podcast, you can uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. You can email us, send us some questions. We'd love to hear some questions and we might answer them on air and... I don't know. Interact with us. We need the validation. Uh, and you can email us at motionpicturerangers at gmail.com and find us on Facebook at the, the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. You can find me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at uh, that Sundance Katie or Caps. And that's it. Um, and I'm at Zane C for Cat Weber. Zane S E A F O R C A T. Look. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the face. That wouldn't fit in, in Twitter. It, w- it wouldn't. But I'm, I'm going to request that if anyone's leaving uh, Mighty Motion Picture Rangers a review or a question, just tell Shane how wrong he is about uh, Birdman. Birdman. Because really? but see, the worst, I, I swear the I've worst. mentioned this before to you or around you that I don't like Birdman and it never yeah. came up. This isn't the only movie you're wrong about. Oh, okay. So I, <laughs> well. There is going to be an actual fist fight. I will film it for you guys. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, well, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Bye. 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 Bye.